crank it all the way up. Crank it Do all the way up. It. Eric does not need to crank it all the way up. If you're a man, you'd crank it up. <laughs> Don't do it. Crank it up, you dumb bitch. I said, if you were a man, you'd crank it up right now. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that work? Is this Oz? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> You guys see that baby I sent in the group me? <laughs> I tried not to. Yeah, what is that? That's a late birthday present from my brother. That thing's two feet tall. Is that a real baby? It's a, it's it's not a real baby. It's, oh, throw it throw it away. Throw it away. It's like a latex like baby, but it comes with like a, a LED light that on the top of the lid that changes colors and does like different patterns. So it's a rave baby. I would yeah. just throw it away and video myself throwing it away so you could show your brother he's an asshole for getting you a fake baby if he really loved you you'd be real exactly he's tried he's tried i'm sure he's tried one time for my birthday uh like there's a couple of body farms in texas no way you guys know what body farms are yeah a farm for bodies it's where they like stem cells and shit well, they, they let they have like land, a lot of land and then they get corpses that i guess were donated to science or like whatever yeah. And then they just leave them out in nature and like they'll have like a, a car trunk and they'll leave a body in a car trunk and then leave a body in a barrel, leave a body like half submerged in water just so they can like study the rate of decomp and stuff like that to teach, you know, kids in schools. And so he because it's always been my dream to go to one of those. And so he for my birthday was going to like get me into one and like called up to these fucking body farms and is like asking can he take a tour and they're like yeah like what university is your brother with and blah 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 he's like oh no no this is just for like recreation and they're like no we're not open to the public and he's like oh okay and so he's like he's like i've never felt so dirty in my life just calling these fucking body farms to get my gawker brother in there to i hope you know i love you yeah like he never could like do it but it's like just the fact that you called means so much to me that is quite a gift oh my god i'm gonna break into one of those i'm gonna jump a fence one day and just like go in there lick all those dead bodies you have like the fucking froggiest legs my friend you, you're always hopping over shit i will be yeah i fucking i'll jump a fence you're a hoppy boy you don't gotta tell me to jump a fence i'm already <laughs> jumping that fence oh my god all right hello everybody and welcome to cult of horror your weekly, well, except for last week, weekly horror podcast. Uh, my name is Hunter. This is Eric or Catfish. How are you? I am well. Then we got Elliot or Dad. Father. Father, Dad. Are we, are we recording now? Is this on? Is this on? Right yeah, we've been recording. Hello. Well, let me. Can people see me? Do I have to put my clothes on? Technically, no. Okay. Are we starting? Welcome to Cult of Horror. Are we starting? We already started. We already started. Welcome to Cult of Horror. You, you take one week right. off and you'll forget how this works, huh? Well, welcome to Cult of Horror. <laughs> oh, my God. Why did we take a week off? That was my birthday. Was it, though? Lame. This is my birthday week. Would you, okay, so what'd you do? Fucking 
apparently nothing. We were so going to have time good. off for you to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's so good to not do. That's cool. Well, we were going to go on a road trip, maybe a spooky road trip, but we couldn't put it together. I love to go on a spooky road trip for my birthday. I say we should. We I say you, all of us three, should go on a spooky road trip. But I mean, I don't know. We're all a bunch of complainers, so it's probably not the best thing to do. I can see that going terribly wrong. Like we're all complaining, and we all complain about the opposite shit. Yeah, Hunter's gonna be bored, and like just one. I just want to get somewhere before his ADD kicks in. I'm gonna be freaking out about like COVID, and like we can't stop at any place, even though it's a road trip. And then uh, Eric's just gonna be like, "I gotta take a shit." Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You, no, you need to find. You need to pull over. I need to take a shit. No, Eric's like, turn the music down, or like change it to some fucking the cramps or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever said put on the cramp. <laughs> I just want to have a nice, relaxing car ride. Put on the cramp. <laughs> I'd do that. I would do that though. A buzz, 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 buzz. That used to be uh, what I would listen to on my way to work to just like not completely hate my life. Yeah, dude. Like, I actually do think of the cramps and like older punk and rockabilly and like all that is like my chill music, like my calm yeah. music. It's the music of my youth. Yeah, it brings me back. But I guess Elliot, he, he wants back. to listen to the to the grind cores and the alba cores and the tuna cores. Grind core is my happy music. Yeah, what do you listen to? I always wondered that. Like Alan from Pavel Chekhov, I always wonder what he listens to when he's not listening to power violence. And the same thing with you. What do you listen to when you're not listening to grind core? It's either grind core, power violence, or like poppy punk. That's so weird. You don't listen to D-Beat anymore? No, no, I can't. Okay. I mean, like maybe like once in a while, if it's like, like something fucking good, but for the most part, like it's so fucking boring. (laughs) Fair. Okay. 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 We'll we'll give you that. I'll Uh, listen to, I'll listen to some crust if it's like the good crust, but like just like generic. You listen to Neo crust? Neo crust. If it's just generic crust, then I'm just like, man. So do you guys use any of those streaming apps like Spotify or, you know, uh, YouTube music or any of that crap. Elliot, I think he's asking if we're posers. Posers? I do spy. I listen to Spotify at work all the time. Yeah, I listen to Spotify all the time constantly. (laughs) So the other day I went fishing and we have, I don't know what we have. We have Apple Music. (laughs) I don't know what we have. (laughs) And it has an option to like play your mix or whatever. Yeah. Of like everything you listen to and you liked. And it was a fucking disaster listening to that as a playlist. It was like 90s gangster rap followed by fucking weird indie music and then like country folk music, metal, hardcore punk, just a little <laughs> bit of emo in there. Yeah. I don't know, like flamboyant 80s music. Hell yeah. That is that is a mix for sure. Yeah, it went like Tupac and then like The Academy Is. <laughs> <laughs> the academy is <laughs> I make plans to break plans and I've been it was so awkward that it like I think after that it played adolescence <laughs> and then after that it played fucking something corporate oh my god dude and then all of a sudden it was fucking uh, dead or alive you spin me right, right, right round, round. Right round. Jesus. That, that, just like that, people. Yeah. I thought I thought my mix around. was bad, but yeah, that's 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 fucking. Everybody's offended. Just like well, what the fuck? What are, you, what are you? Are you saying you're a fucking weirdo? Is that what you're trying I to was, tell? Me? I was upset because I was just trying to chill and fucking sit by the lake, and I was like, I don't know what to listen to. I was like, oh, there's a mixed option. Okay, let's try that. Big mistake. 
<laughs> Big mistake. Huge. Mine's like when I do that, it doesn't, it's not like a, so much as a mix. It's just like it goes from one extreme of punk to the other. So it's like me first in the gimme gimme's into insect warfare. That is, yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Actually, dad dropped by. Yeah. That was stressful. But they took the kid fishing on uh, Louisville Lake. They like got a guide in the boat and it took him to my fishing. There was like footage, like actually showed me footage of the fucking kid, like just going to town. She caught the biggest fish. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, she was doing shit that I didn't even think she was capable of. She was putting her hand in the minnow bucket and catching the minnows with her hands and then just like fucking hooking them alive and just throwing them in the water. I was like, I didn't know she was even capable of like murder like that. And like, well, murder, like they're still alive until they get eaten. I didn't think she would like pick up a, a fish well i mean you should have known it. it was when two weeks ago she told you that she was going to kill you yeah i guess i don't know i was i was like secretly proud of her i was like oh at least you're not like you know a puss but <laughs> God. but yeah she got the biggest fish and she was just having a ball and then like ashley made it weird when she wanted the eyeballs of the fish her dad had to like cut the eyes out weird. that would have been like an awkward well it was like because the dude was sitting there like cutting them up and like like i guess yeah, yeah the guy was flaying them like right there in the parking lot and then ashley was just like oh hey could you cut out the eyes and the dude was like what, what? oh my and god then, like so for, like ashley's dad did, like you're a fucking weirdo and then and then like then he got his pocket knife out and like popped the eyeballs out for her and then they're just like you're weird and she's like how is this any different from you're cutting the fucking heads off and then like pulling the guts out of the fish i want some fucking eyeballs you got a handful of fucking intestines like how am i weird and they're like well i guess you get a point i see your point yeah. but i, I don't <laughs> agree elbow deep in blood and he's like you're weird you're weird you stick around weirdo yeah so i came back from work and they had gone fishing and then there's just this like jar of eyeballs is that for you it was for her she she collects that i collect teeth she collects the eyeballs really that's our trade-off. She has, I got her some like sheep eyes and now she has like fish eyes and a whole bunch of like eye stuff for her. Oh, so I didn't tell you guys about that. So you didn't tell us nothing. You never talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> On one of Maria's days off, we were just like, we were bored, but we didn't want to fucking be around people or do anything really. We just didn't want to be in the house. Well, I can't relate. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, I was, uh, I had been on Google Maps and I was like, trying to find fishing spots. And I was like, okay, I found a couple spots out here that uh, I'd like to check out. Want to go check them out with me? And she's like, okay. So we went and it's like, it's a fucking equestrian trail. So we went that way and I was like all in love with this like awesome secluded access to the lake. And Maria was all like creeped out. Like, uh, yeah, I don't want to be here. Like it's extra murdery. Here. <laughs> 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 and like, I, we were just like, no, it's not. It's cool. And then all of a sudden there's this big ass dead catfish just for no reason on the shore. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like completely mummified and shit. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay, I see your point. You know, now that you mention it. It died of natural causes. <laughs> I don't know, something ate that motherfucker, but uh, like the size of a desk. Jesus. The size of a desk. Yeah, it was pretty big. It's probably, I think, longer than like my hand to my elbow. So it's probably like, almost as long as my arm, really. What tiny desks do you have? <laughs> That's no, cool it's dead. fucking big. <laughs> Ashley's dad went fishing the day after, and he brought me back a, a head of an alligator gar that he found. Oh, really? Yeah. Was, Those are gnarly, man. 
Yeah, it's a decent size. It was all stinky. Like it kind of smells, but I figure, you know, <laughs> smells a bit. You'd like it. And I was like, I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put that in a backyard mm. next to the skunk skull. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, I was talking to her dad, who's like an avid deer hunter and stuff. And like it's like the first time I didn't feel weird because he's like, with the deer, like I used to boil them and stuff like that, and then get like a dermal and get all the stuff out of there. And he's like, You use like borax and blah blah blah. And I was like, and we're at and we're at the dinner table, like eating, and I'm just like this is all pad. This is all I ever wanted. <laughs> this is like a perfect family meal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no, but normally it's like, yeah, I got this fucking gonna like pull the shit off this fucking skull and like skull flash. But then you're talking to a hunter, it's like, oh yeah, you could, you know, I mean, you dress out a deer, you go like this, you can fucking have sex with the innards and blah blah blah. <laughs> like, you gotta like, use your teeth to pull the skin off the face. See, that's yeah, the trick. Hunters are just yeah, hunters <laughs> are just fucking more brutal than I am. So apparently. But that's widely accepted because of the fucking bass pro shop made it acceptable. I don't know. I'm in <laughs> this is all because of big bass. Big <laughs> big bass pro shop. I'm I'm a weirdo because I find roadkill. I'm like, I'm gonna take this head and 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 put it up on on my mantle and, and so cause it looks pretty. But then there was a year of free because, like, what do you do? I go out, I bow hunt, and then I just fucking slowly kill this animal as I stalk it. Uh, turns out it's pregnant, but it's okay. I killed it. And then, uh, <laughs> gonna, you know, consume it and, and then, like, make its horns on to make my truck more all trashy, like mm. Trump 2020. Man, this is our first, like, post election one, too. Oh, yeah. Election ain't over. It ain't over. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's been good times. It's been good times. Uh, I didn't hear anybody talk about the real issues. Making horror great again. I know this is when you make your announcement. Twenty twenty four, catfish. I don't give a fuck. Well, we told we should have fucking. I know we missed missed opportunities. Yeah, we should have fucking had a whole like campaign online for making horror great again in twenty twenty. I'm starting my campaign right now. I'm declaring myself president. Of the United States, because you can do that. Apparently, you just say you won. I won. Like you should, we should literally start now with that, and then like by the time twenty twenty four comes yeah, around, it's I'm gonna, gonna start campaigning now. <laughs> you need to slow down, Kanye. Oh shit! We are gonna have a designated day to fish. You are not allowed to work. You must watch at least four horror movies a week. If you have a designated day to fish, that means gonna, everybody's going to be out there fishing and it's going to suck. Yeah, that's not good for you, catfish. Yeah, everybody's yeah. going to have an assigned day that's going to be different than everybody, especially me. There's 365 <laughs> days a year and like three trillion people. Uh, Ashley, you sure them numbers is right? <laughs> I don't like the math. Ashley's dad brought me, uh, I guess they stopped at like a gas station and he, he brought me i think it's a like a, a purse or like a handbag he says it's a wallet but it's like <laughs> it's, it looked like a clutch but it's like this big oversized like american currency and it has like donald trump in the middle and in like the price of it is 2020 so it's a 2020 dollar bill with donald trump's face on it and it's like this big quote-unquote wallet and he's like i know how you like him i got you this ha 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 you know just like fucking with me but like people made 2020 merch for like donald trump winning the election already oh absolutely like, they did in october and one of the funniest memes i've saw that this is the second best thing about the election though all the fucking memes <laughs> so as a football fan i mean you always get the meme with african kids wearing like a jersey that said you know like super bowl winner yes the 49ers but that's the team who lost 
there's ones with the kids wearing Trump 2020 gear. And it's like, I'm not saying the election is over, but these kids already received their merch. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Made me larf. Made me larf. <laughs> oh my God. On that note, anything else going on? Any horror stuff? I watch evil. Oh, you, 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 okay. Yeah. I finished that. How? That was pretty good. I liked it. I mean, like it's, very reminiscent of X Files with you know Sculler and Moldy, Sculler uh, and Moldy. That's what it is, right? One hundred percent correct. Sculler <laughs> <laughs> and Moldy. So it, that shirt, <laughs> and they're like in the Constantine world, basically. So it's pretty fun. I mean, you have like a priest who does exorcisms, and she's like a forensic psychologist or some shit like that. Basically, she's a skeptic. He's the believer, and hijinks ensue. See, that didn't seem that entertaining to me, but like, I, I feel like there's crazier shit that happens. Like, is it more supernatural? Yeah, a lot of super, like, supernatural, paranormal stuff. It doesn't take itself too serious, but just like serious enough. Serious enough to party. Yeah, you know, I like to party. I like to party. Party. Unfortunately, it's only like I think ten episodes right now. Yeah. So we blasted through that shit real quick, like. <laughs> Just fucking shot a fucking hole right through it. So, yeah, you motherfuckers got any news? I might have some news learning for you. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, horror slash comedy slash slasher uh, Freaky premiered in theaters this past Friday, November the 13th for a Freaky Friday horror. That's pretty good. I like that. So Friday this past Friday the 13th, because we're already late. Freaky premiered in theaters and will be on home VOD November 30th. So that's like forever from now. That's not that far from now. It's like man, it's fucking COVID time. That's like 15 six months. This year is the longest year I've ever had in my life. Well, that movie's getting pretty fucking great reviews and Ah, some of which come from uh, somebody who we've talked about before, Mr. Stephen King, who likes to weigh in on everything remotely horror these days. They give his yay or nay approvals and disapprovals. And he says Vince Vaughn should uh, get an Oscar for his role in Freaky. Coming from a senile old man, Vince Vaughn should win an Oscar. Hey, man, he may not be wrong. Yeah, we don't know. He may not be wrong. I mean, the movie's like people are flipping out over that fucking movie. Did you see him in, what was it, Cell Block 99 or whatever, Escape from Cell Block 99 or whatever? Brawl. Yeah, yeah. Brawl. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was fucking weird. He was fucking phenomenal in that, man. Yeah. He's almost as good as his portrayal of Norman Bates in the Psycho remake. Hell yeah, brother. I'm going to say something controversial. I did not hate that Psycho remake. I was not joking when I said that. Well, like I was surprised to find out that people didn't like the Psycho remake because when I watched it when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is this is just as good. Well, then no one's going to say that. Oh, oh my God. No one says that. But uh, It took away from like the tension, but... But it also like upped the like creepiness, I feel like. Kind of, yeah. I say Vince Vaughn made it more crazy. It made it more stalkery. Made the Norman Bates character more. Like it made you, it made your skin crawl more. It, he's less sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's also because he's like more what you would think someone that is like Norman Bates would act like. Whereas the original Norman Bates wasn't like he was just a normal guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, he switched. Yeah, that's Whereas, that's a good point, actually. It, yeah, Vince Vaughn was just fucking weird the whole time. 
Uh, next, the news update on Constantine 2, Keanu Reeves' Constantine. Yeah. According to Peter Stormare, who is, you know, from Armageddon and Fargo fame, who played the devil in that movie. Oh, Apparently, there is Constantine 2 is happening, sequel to the 2005 Keanu Reeves film. I don't know why. That's I hated that movie. How dare you? I loved it, but, but a lot of people liked it. And it got the TV show and the comic books all blah, blah, blah. So and Keanu back. Yeah. Well, I think John Wick pretty much is getting all his shit a kickstart again. Yeah. Okay. Shutter's slasher TV Ooh. series. Well, it's now an anthology series on Shutter. Yeah. Where it belongs. I bet Netflix can do it. I highly doubt Shutter can outbid Netflix. Well, you have eight new episodes from the anthology series Slasher. It's going to be Slasher, Flesh and Blood, which is also going to feature, and this is like the big headlining news of this. I don't know why it is important, but one of those is going to feature David Cronenberg acting again, which he's so good at because he was so good in his cameo in 2001's Jason X. He was great. So good. So good in his acting. I don't know why anybody's going to put David Cronenberg in front of a fucking camera, but that's what they're hyping up on fucking shutters, that David Cronenberg is going to return to acting. He has, you know, everybody, 1990s Nightbreed, where he played a pretty uh, cool-looking slasher-type character. And if anybody's seen Nightbreed, if you have seen Nightbreed, we are probably not going to be friends if you enjoyed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was so long. I fucking hate that shit. Next up, we got Seth Rogen is to produce a movie called Video Nasty, which is uh, a story about some teens that rent a cursed VHS and are transported into the film of a 1980s slasher. So they got to, like, you know, find their way out. Basically the same plot to Final Girls, but it's going to be produced by Seth Rogen and probably going to be, you know, boy-centric and much bro down. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against it either. It could be funny, but it's been done. But I mean, everything's been done. Simpsons already did it, dude. Been. Yeah. Mm, that's right. Also, in the same veins as fucking uh, Final Girls, Daniel Harris is set to direct an all-female slasher satirical horror movie called Sequel. Okay, we and, don't need another satirical horror movie. Well, it's coming, and Daniel and Harris, Daniel first-time Harris director, not... is going to do it. Oh, my God, no. It's going to be uh, Joe Dante's uh, production company, Joe Dante, who brought us the Burbs and Gremlins and all that stuff. So that's probably going to be in the same vein as The Final Girls. So that movie is getting ripped off for being so underrated. And let's see, finally for today, we will go with Texas Chainsaw 3 is getting a virtual reunion November 18th. On Dread Central's Dissecting Horror, it's going to have the cast and director, you know, talking about the most forgettable entry into the franchise. Cast reunion, November 18th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, if you guys want to listen to them ramble about a shit film. Well, you know I do. There you go. And well, yeah. <laughs> like he, sound, he sounded so exhausted. Well, there you go. They did there. like it's there an option. I don't know if anybody has seen the new teaser trailer for Nicolas Cage, Willy's Wonderland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's pretty much that Banana Splits horror movie and Five Nights at Freddy, kind of Chuck E. Cheese, Showbiz Pizza, where the animatronics come to life and start killing people. And Nicolas Cage looks exactly like his fucking character in Mandy. Well, that's, <laughs> so, okay, well, that's just how he looks, is, okay? 
Yeah, he's giving a like no fucks of just like, yeah, I, I have jet black hair now. How old are you? I'm like 74. You have jet <laughs> black hair. Yep. 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 Jet, just jet black. Yep. Hey, he's lucky to have hair, dude. He's lucky for a lot of shit. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> but I think, I mean, Mandy was an amazing movie. And I think Nicolas Cage is finding his stride in just these wacky kind of out there horror movies. Because he does pretty fucking good. Like, he was good in Mom and Dad. And he was good in Mandy. And I, I guess he's finding, like, this third act in life could be, you know, these off-the-wall horror movies. And I'm not mad about that either. Nah. I mean, like, he's he's a good actor. He's not, like, the best actor. Except in Con Air. <laughs> I just watched Con Air the other day for, like, the 900th time. And, oh, my God, his fake accent is the worst thing in cinema history. I don't know. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he just does, like, he does. It's a combination of he doesn't give a fuck and he might be crazy. He might have a chemical imbalance. I don't think he's crazy. He's I don't know, dude. Something. Like, I could imagine him doing Con Air and then in the middle of first day of recording, how about I do a weird, like, southern accent? <laughs> and director's like, that's, that's, how, that's, what, that's what you want to do? Honestly? Yeah, I, you, don't, you don't have to. And he's just like, no, I'm going to do it. I, I just think he's ADD, dude. He's something. He is something, but he's made it work. He's got a fucking career out of it, and he's filthy rich. Cocaine is the hell of a drug. He was. I don't know if the tax evasion. I'm sure he's not really filthy rich anymore. But uh, from Mandy, I bet he got up since Mandy blew up. I bet he got at least something from that. He's got more money than I do. He's hundo, hundo percent. (laughs) Yeah, Mandy. Mandy did well. Everybody, I like that movie a lot. That was pretty tight. I didn't think I would, but Mandy was a super good movie. Because you're a vibe guy, you know? Vibe guy. I mean, it's a vibe, but then it's also, they throw a lot of shit in the movie and it somehow, like, worked when it shouldn't. Like, you got, like, biker Cenobites that shouldn't, it's just, like, <laughs> shouldn't work, but they, I fucking love them. They fucking work. But, like, I mean, in, in Con Air, like, you just bust out with an accent, like, you know, you're going to tell him no? He's not going to listen to you. I mean, Benicio Del Toro did that in The Usual Suspects. He's like, I'm going to mumble everything. And the director's like, what? He's like, I'm going to mumble all my lines. He's like, Okay. (laughs) He's like, oh, well, we don't understand what the fuck you're saying anyway, so just go ahead. I mean, fuck Nicolas Cage. Nicky Cage. At this point, good or bad, he's an American institution, and everybody pretty much loves him. Like, if even if it's, like, ironically or genuinely. It's like he's cemented. And the fact that, like, he's doing these B-ish movies now is just, like, it's just reinvigorating, like, why people love him from the 80s, you know? I can tell you this dude is never bored. The moment he sits down, someone calls him, hey, you want to do? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see him? Fuck yeah. Yeah, that pink biker jacket. Yeah, I did. And that, that photo, that like fucking paparazzi photo of him out and about with his like COVID mask and his pink biker jacket fuck. just looking like. Hell yeah, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy as fuck, but still like cool as shit. I was like, fuck, that's a tight jacket. Like, <laughs> He's he's doing what John Travolta wish he could do. I know. Yeah, pretty much. Dude, I don't know how John Travolta still gets work after doing Scientology. Well, yeah, that. And after the movie that he just made like uh, with uh, the Limp Biscuit guy, the Fanatic, you know, the, the, the Fanatic, oh, that yeah. was like so bad. He he was like this is going to be my Mandy. He literally thought that. And man, that haircut. That haircut. Oh my man. god. It didn't take him to the heights he was expecting to reach. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give some advice out for any younger listeners. Never turn to Fred Durst as like salvation. Like that's not gonna <laughs> He is not your messiah. No, he's not gonna help you out in fucking anything. He's just gonna tell you to break shit and wiki wiki. I don't know what he I don't know. What he hey about. man, all I know is he's taught me to just keep on rolling. 
Yeah. <laughs> young men out there, just I'm just gonna just ladies, just plug your ears, young men. Don't do it. Don't do all that shit for the nookie. My God. You find nookie that presents itself to you. You don't. You don't gotta work for the nookie like that. I myself, I'm a nookie enthusiast. Don't do it all for the nookie. <laughs> find yourself a nookie that'll love you for you. Yeah. The nookie will present itself when it's ready. You don't need to be breaking your back. What you need to do is stay in school, get a job. Like, I, don't even know. I, don't even, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. No, you, you didn't know what you were saying when you started this. First you get the job, then you get the khakis, and then you get the nookie. And don't refer to it as nookie or you're guaranteed not to get any nookie. That's it for news. That's uh, that's news. Good God. What's up? <laughs> the fucking nookie. Are you guys fans of public housing? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you fucking know I am, man. <laughs> I'm very passionate about public housing. <laughs> well, today we are reviewing a i guess like a pretty viral movie on netflix and we don't use that word during covid times yeah we, we, nope. we've got a pretty infectious no that's not good either no. we've got a pretty uh sexually transmit no uh there's got to be a word for that popular popular yes popular popular, <laughs> popular movie called <laughs> his house which is very fucking sexist because his wife lives there too yeah well, I don't think that's what they mean. Oh. I don't think they're referring to him. Anyways, I mean, back in September is when, when I was listing off Netflix's, I guess, October spooky Halloween movie lineup. Spooky lineup, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I, there's one that I, I wanted to watch, but I can't remember her name. This this was the movie. This be the one. This is the one. So I was down to watch this already. In fact, I watched this a while ago that I might not remember everything. Oh, son of a bitch, Elliot. So I'm going to be foggy on some details. All right, so you, who who wants to read a plot? I can read a plot. I got it. You can do it or I can do it. I, I, well, I mean, it's going to be better if you do it, but I can do it. Why is it better if I do because it? Because I'm bad at it. Okay, and I'm good. Okay. I mean. Here comes Mumble Mouth and read us a, a plot. Let's see if we can fucking read the dyslexic son of a bitch. <laughs> and okay. here's Elliot with a mouthful of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the lie? Where's the fucking line? Where's the joke? Oh, joke is that Hunter's the one with Doritos. I got marbles in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> Doritos are vegan. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's what you don't hear on this podcast is Hunter just like, Oreos are vegan. <laughs> All right. His house, 2020, a plot synopsis. This is from the Sundance Film Festival. By Elliot. By Elliot. Via the Sundance Film Festival. Jesus Christ. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. And that is it. Oh, wow. Since Eric's so good at... Uh... Motherfucker. <laughs> everybody's good at something besides Hunter. Hunter's like, I'm not good at it. Listen, listen. I'm just that's marriage 101 where she's like, just do the dishes, and then you like fucking break the dish. She's like, honey, I mean, you're good at this. I'm not good at this. this is like a your thing, or like you fuck up the laundry. You, I didn't know you don't put bleach in blacks. So this is a this is your thing. This is I mean, I leave TV watching to me. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> okay, so this movie is about a married couple, Bol and Rial, uh, who are refugees from South Sudan. They are escaping persecution and fleeing a war. They show you a glimpse of them being on a boat, and they end up as refugees seeking asylum in the 
United Kingdom. And they're granted asylum and, you know, they're given housing and giving, you know, certain rules. They can't look for a job. They can't have any money other than what's given to them. And they have to stay in the house that they were given. In this house, they start seeing spirits and you you're told that you know on the way to the united kingdom when they were on there you know escaping on a boat their daughter passed away she drowned mm-hmm. and that's kind of the setup for the movie and it's pretty fucking heart-wrenching at the first like you know because you're put into the shoes of like these refugees and you know you really feel for them because they're like hopeful like they've escaped like some of the fucking craziest shit and then they're still just getting fucking shat on. Like, you know, they're they're getting into scraps of everything. Yeah. I mean, you only get like brief flashbacks, but you see them basically escaping the clutches of, you know, being murdered. And then you see them still just moments after now they're on a boat braving the waters. And all of a sudden they're, you know, capsized and, you know, fighting for their lives. And you get a brief glimpse of you know, not being able to get their daughter. Yeah, it is very vague about it. It's almost like a memory that people don't want to like relive. Yeah, I mean, you got to follow this married couple who's just basically in a world of shit. They're run off from their home. Now they're in a strange land where they're basically, you know, not wanted. People have, you know, resentment towards them because they get things like that house. And you have like the conflict between the husband and wife where the husband is like, you know, we got to leave our old life behind and we have to assimilate, move forward. And the wife who's like, how do we just forget everything we went through and move forward? What about our daughter? Yeah. It's kind of weird because you do see the husband kind of on the surface seem like he's over his daughter being dead. He quickly, you know, tells her we've grieved enough. And you're like, but that was like two weeks ago, dude. Like, yeah, straight up. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of where the twist of the story kind of comes in and you get the explanation of what's going on. But the first like real supernatural thing that happens is the wife, like she had like some kind of little ball and the ball like just rolls into a crack in the wall and she starts hearing whispers coming from the wall. Yeah. Later, she tells her husband about the story of like a witch. Yeah, like a night witch. Yeah, they called him a night witch. Mm-hmm. Or somebody in the village, basically. What did he do? He, I know he, like, cheated him or something. Oh, but, you know, he, they, he like, you know, got over some people in the old man. And when he went to, like, uh, live on his own, you know, and finally get a home or whatever, the spirit of the Night Witch is haunting him and talking to him through the wall, just like it's happening to them. Kind of insinuating, like, you know, the spirits of the things or people that you've done wrong to, they're going to haunt you. Yeah. And we kind of get like a a mix of things because like she's saying it's just a witch. We're seeing basically just like a haunted house. But as, as the audience, especially with a lot of the movies that we've reviewed lately, you're kind of wondering like, where's the twist? Is it, not, not even the twist, but like, is this like, I think we're supposed to think they've moved into a haunted house. This is a haunted house movie. But at the same time, I think movies are kind of like smarter than that now. Kind of like with like Relic and like, 
you know, Jordan Peele stuff where it's like, is just, just this, are we seeing PTSD like manifested? Yeah. Is basically like, is this a metaphor? That's what I was kind of like, is like, where are we going with this? Is this a fucking witch? Are we going straight classic haunted house? Or are we going with, this is, you know, PTSD metaphor for like what they went through and, you know, their inability to like kind of cope correctly. But like me personally, like when I watched it, what was going through my head? Cause like when you start seeing the haunted shit, like it's fucking nuts. Like it's, it's a lot going on. So to me, it didn't seem like it was going to be some kind of, uh, coping mechanism. I thought it was going to be more so like, okay, this shit's like haunted, just like they moved into a haunted house and they think it's going to be like this witch and they're going to do all this shit. But then it turns out to be something else, maybe like a type of demon or something like that. Well, you get the wife always talking about, we need to repay our debt and go back. They'll let us back if we repay our debt. And it's like... Mm -hmm. You kind of get, I mean, at least I kind of got the feeling like they wronged someone and now there's a curse on them and the curse followed them from there. Yeah. And if they just pay back whatever money or whatever, then the curse will be lifted and they can go home. So it was like, she kind of made it seem like they not only ran because of the military or the militia that was coming to kill them, but also because they did something terribly wrong to someone else. Hmm. Spoiler alert, they did. But it wasn't what we thought. Yeah. Well, the whole movie is like that because you never really expect it to be something absolutely new with these horror movies. This is actually a fucking Night Witch. <laughs> like, I never thought that it was going to be something like that, even though it was pretty much like exactly what they were saying. I was. Well, I knew something was going to happen with the daughter that whatever the supernatural thing is, is going to be focused from the daughter just from one scene that I got in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. which is when they're being loaded onto this truck to get out of the village they're in. And the wife is like hugging the girl. The girl's what, like eight or nine years old or something. Yeah. And she hugs her. She's holding her and she whispers in her ear, I'll protect you. And the husband just kind of like glances over and is just, it has this look like, why the fuck are you telling her that? Like, we're not going to protect her. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like, and, and I guess this is getting into a massive spoiler alert territory. So if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend watching it before you go further in this podcast. But yeah, because we're about to probably spoil the shit out of it. It's every movie. Yeah. Well, because you think it's, it's, it's centered around the daughter in particular, because that's like what Ball, the husband, that's what who he keeps seeing, even though he doesn't really want to admit it. So, like you said, like nothing's going to be new in these in these horror movies. But I think what how they kept it fresh was because you don't, you know, going back to, you know, the PTSD thing or like that. But we're seeing something going on, but it's not exactly showing it. Is it a, is this a haunted house? Because it's a shit public housing thing and it's actually pretty big and it's all them, themselves. And like, how are they so lucky to get this? Is this a haunted house? And you see like their daughter who has passed away. And the coming to where they are now, it's taken the form of that. So is it, you know, the wife bringing the old world superstitions of a witch into it? Is that real? And she's just, is, is it haunting? And she's just putting this on it? You know, or is it a demon taking the form of this, promising her that they can bring the daughter back? I mean, there's a lot of things coming and you're not really sure. I mean, you know, we know it's something going on paranormal and it's, it's not going to, you know, you could probably see how the movie's going to end. But just the fact is, like, what paranormal, like, character are we dealing with? I was going to say, I felt like there was a big kind of they were trying to give you a misdirection with the house because they kind of, like, nailed it into you that most refugees will get piled into a home with several families 
So you're lucky to have your own house. And not only is it like home for just you two, it's a fucking big house. And everybody just keeps, you know, throughout the movie, they're like, yeah, this house is bigger than mine. And they have, you know, resentment towards them for that. It's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah. When they're there, like this house is, you know, in public housing and it's like dilapidated. Not completely, but it's just like, it looks like whoever lived there before just trashed the place. There's furniture all over the front yard. And there's a scene, I think, is like his first day in the house where he like walks out and there's a lady kind of just like ominously staring at him. And he like waves at her and she acts like, you know, he's not there. She's just staring at him, petting a cat. Yeah. It kind of starts making you think like, okay, there's something wrong with this house and everybody else knows except you. Yeah. Well, and also like it makes you think the house is going to be part of it too. Like because they set it up like you, you have to stay in this house. You cannot leave the house. When this weird, you know, supernatural shit starts happening, he goes to his social worker or whatever he is and kind of is like, oh, we need to leave. We need a different home. Oh, there's dude. bugs and it's making us sick. And he's just like, well, I can put in a request, but this is going to make you look bad and you're probably going to get sent back home. So do you really want to do this? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he was like giving him no option to leave the house. And that was like another thing where it's just like, okay, why is this house, you know, not allowing them to leave? Yeah. Well, it goes into like burnt offerings territory where kind of like the wife knows there's something wrong and it's pretty much accepted. And there's a scene where she's even like talking to it. Like normally she's not afraid. She knows there's something going on. She has accepted it. And the husband just like is not accepting it. And it's all about the assimilation into this like new culture to the fact where he's going out buying clothes. He's taken upon himself to like start fixing up this kind of like rundown house, you know, before he obviously like, has this like huge break where, he, you know, it, it gets to him. But he's like, you know, this is not Hannah. This is not there is no witch. I'm not seeing things, even though I am seeing things. He's in massive denial. But then he's kind of just like, I'm going to fix this house because the wiring's bad. And he's so he starts fixing that. You know, there's holes in the wall and he like he's he's, you know, trying to fix his house up. So it kind of like reminded me of burnt offerings where like he's kind of obsessed with like, you know, this house and like being normal and just kind of accepting what has been given to them because they're lucky. And she's kind of like, hey, this whole thing fucking kind of sucks. And he's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so I got huge burnt offering vibes. That's a good man. I never even made that connection, but, but I mean, you're totally right. Like I thought of it more of the perspective as like, you know, he's a refugee who's really trying to look at things from the brighter side because they have this opportunity to be in this like quote unquote idealized version of maybe not the Western world. Cause I think they're in England, but this type of like, I don't know, like this TV show style of like living, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, it shows them having two different experiences in England. Like, he's walking around getting groceries. He's invited to this pub where they're giving him beer and, like, singing with them. And, like, he's being accepted. He's going to the mall. He's buying the clothes that he's seeing on the ads to, like, fit in. Meanwhile, like, she's lost. She can't find where she goes when she goes outside the house. She runs into these kids, and she goes up to them because they are black. And so she's trying to associate with them because she's from Africa and they start fucking with her because they're because of her accent. Yeah, their accent and the fact that she's foreign. So they're like, which is so fucked. I mean, up. yeah, well, yeah, that, that, and it's I've seen this all the fucking time with this like xenophobic kind of attitude between like like African American, you know, black culture and African culture. 
And like a lot of people can be fucking really shitty about it. And they start giving her shit because she she's going to them because she's like, these are my people. And they're looking at her like, we're not your fucking people, mate. Like, fuck off. And they start fucking with her in this like weird kind of like racist way. And like, so she's getting this horrible experience from, you know, England. Meanwhile, he's just like, everybody's like open arms. And like, you know, they're giving these houses and all these chances and this money. He's living. Grateful. Yeah. And she's just like, we're being punished. We're in the fucking uh, form of hell you know, we need to like pay for what we've done. And, and still like, I wasn't, I got really far into this movie before I had like, you know, cause I wasn't accepting they're showing these ghosts and like, they're showing like these weird, like kind of like demonic versions of their like dead daughter and the ghost of their daughter, like hiding in the walls and like throughout the house and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm not taking this at face value cause something's going to, yeah. you know, pop here. I don't think this, this, this could not be a ghost yet. So we're just going to see what's kind of going on here. Okay. Let's go back to whenever he's like trying to talk with his like doctor who or whatever. And it's a social worker, the social worker. And he's like, is that who that was? Yeah. I was fucking doctor who, you know, being a real dick. Something good. (laughs) Never seen it. I mean, neither. I just know that it's doctor who he's got, he's got a forehead and eyebrows like crazy. You know, I, 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 he's, he's all smiles and he's just like, you know, I gotta, gotta get out of this house. You know, the, and his leg is just fucking bouncing, man. And that whole scene, like where he's just, the tension is like fucking dense. Cause we've all been there. Like we, we, and I feel like the portrayals of like somebody who hasn't slept in like days and like, has just been terrified and their adrenaline's pumping. They're just like literally losing it from sleep deprivation. That is how you would act. You know, like I, I don't see, I don't feel like uh, enough movies portray it correctly where you're that fucking like manically crazed, you know? There's no complaints on the acting here. Like everybody's like, I, I can't, I don't think I can pronounce his name, but like Sope de Russo, de Russo or whatever. Cancel. The, um, the, uh, <laughs> Put the cancel um, hammer rod down on you. Uh, well, I mean, like the actor that plays Ball. I mean, he's he's t- he's I, fucking. I mean, he's he's great. He is so fucking good. Like this, you know, a lot of what makes this movie work is him and her are are, are pretty much their only characters, other than you know these weird peripheral characters that pop in. But like, it's just him and her, and if they can't carry it, this movie doesn't work. And they do. <laughs> they are fucking truckloads, dude. They are awesome. Like the acting in this movie is what makes it. Yeah, for sure. If they if this is like bullshit acting, like this is not going to be believable. With that, the scares in this movie, something tells me that Ellie didn't like them. I'm gonna say that. What would you say? Also, okay, in the in the film, he's seeing these visions, like he's trying to get like, you know, the electrical work, he's trying to do some like handy work around the house and get things going. And he's seeing out of the corner of his eye, like people walking back and forth, like shadow people. And then he blatantly gets attacked by this like weird, like painted tribal demon version of their daughter. And other people like other dead people left behind her like start living in the walls and he starts going kind of like fucking cuckoo about it and starts like pounding holes in the walls like looking for people in there and like starts like talking to them and like half denying it half like obsessing on it and he's just like trashing this fucking house and you know they're, they're showing scares i mean the lights are out and then like there's like you know there's a scene where there's like all these people coming towards them and they turn the lights out and they're gone the 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 holes in the wall are just like full of fucking people i mean that was all cool like i i actually enjoyed the scares in this movie they were kind of like more than i expect because it's a i'm expecting like it's a ghost thing so you're just gonna see something fucking walking in the background you're gonna see something fucking you know in the darkness but like these things are like attacking him well and not only that there's there it's scarier because like in most movies there's one ghost 
which is which has always been a creepy thing. But when there's multiple things coming at you and they're not zombies, like if you have multiple ghosts or whatever this is just coming at you, that's scarier. Yeah, the refugees that didn't make it are all haunting him. And, and they're literally attacking him, like quite literally. Yeah, literally attacked. <laughs> and like his like daughter is like at the crux of the whole thing. And it's just weird. And the only problem I had with the scares was I think there was some useless CGI trying to make these things look more dead than they were. And that I didn't think it was necessary. I mean, if you just, just fucking having them there was like creepy enough, you know, just having them be dead and like coming towards him, you know what the fuck's going on or like at least paint him up like the daughter, like whatever. But like they tried to do this weird CGI that didn't work to make their eyes like more hollow and their faces more. Zombified. Oh yeah. 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 But, it, but they didn't do it that much though. They didn't do it that much, but it was enough to, it was like, if I had, like, I'm, I'm literally nitpicking. Cause I, I mean, I had to find, like, I enjoyed this movie when I saw it, it bothered me. And that's probably like the only thing that I'm not going to like about this movie. I really liked the way the characters looked or the ghosts I did, or whatever. I did too. I, I, but I know what he's talking about. Whenever they, they did a couple scenes where it was like a close up of them. And I was like, oh, that's kind of hokey. But they did it so quick that I completely forgot about it. Yeah. It's like one of those computer generated things where like it looks cartoony because like the black of the computer is not the same black as like the rest of the yeah. film. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of like immediately kind of jars me. They did it a little better. I mean, I guess getting into this would have to get into one of my big likes is like the cinematography in this movie. They had a lot of yes. cool shots and cool ideas that they did, which is amazing. There's this one shot. They use these kind of like surreal shots to, I guess, like get across, you know, metaphor, but also it just looks amazing. I mean, there's that one where like he's eating and the wall kind of like breaks away and he starts like floating off into the ocean or whatever. And it goes into like this weird dream and like the he the water is like full of like dead people. And there's some more of that kind of like zombified CGI and it was quick and underwater and it looked like a little better. But you know, it, it's forgivable. That whole shot, the whole sequence right there, I mean, just looks fucking amazing. It looks like some Terry Gilliam shit, like Brazil or something. They had some fantastic shots. One of the scenes that I thought was really cool was before Rial encounters the three youths and she's walking through the development and it's like a giant maze she you know everywhere she turns it's the wrong way oh yeah yeah she's like you know she's walking and then all of a sudden it's like dead end and turn around and it's like the same kid just just playing with like a ball or something yeah and i thought that was like it was so frustrating like the whole place is like a maze and it was you know obviously metaphorical for her situation and how she can't you know escape yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's it's a huge metaphor for her like the way she looks at this it's just like this like urban hell that she's stuck in nowhere to go so what's the whole fucking point of even being there yeah it just like the contrast of that experience because like he he literally is having like the time of his life and she is literally like sitting at home or when she does go out it's literally like the worst thing ever the dichotomy between the two just adds like there's that that they did really well there's the cinematography also that we we just mentioned they did really well the acting is fucking phenomenal the scares are some of the best that i've seen in a i i want to say probably in years i wish that more high budget movies could do what they're doing you know Whatever they did in this movie, I, I feel like it worked. And it worked to where it, it gives you the adrenaline jump scare c- type of shit, but then it just keeps adding to it with the dread, kind of similar to what Relic did. In fact, this movie reminds me a lot of Relic. Yeah, this is Relic in just some other place. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's way more literal. Exactly. But I, it still has the same kind of like symbolic undertones. At this metaphor. point, do we give away the twist now? 
I mean, I think like we're a, about at that point. Well, oh, but oh well, well yeah. we have to like, you know, like try to keep it chronological. <laughs> chronological, yeah. We learned that, you know, we didn't even get into the turning them against each other kind of deal, where this thing is trying to turn her against him, and like she literally thinks that he's going to like fuck everything up, and so that adds a whole nother side of it. Where is he bad? Like, is it is is like he really truly evil? Yeah, I mean, you get the she what was it? She had a dream. Within her dream, did she talk to the witch or he talked to the witch? She was talking to the witch out in the open. He had a dream where he exactly. Talked to the witch. Okay, but she she was listening to what the whispers were saying coming from the wall, right? Immediately, yeah, and it told her to be scared of him or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. Uh, she was. She said that it can bring her back and that she should be scared of him. Like she's talking to this witch thing that's telling, and like he eventually has the vision of the witch where the witch is telling him that. It wants his flesh. He should kill himself. If he dies, and he's telling this to the, the mother as well, like, if he dies, this witch will bring their daughter back. And if so, if she kills him, she gets the daughter. If he kills himself, which he kind of, you know, and is telling him, you deserve to, to kill yourself. And if you do that, I'll bring the daughter back. So it kind of puts them at odds. He's like, he he has in his vision that can't be hard. I can't harm him physically. Like there's nothing that it can do to him. He has to do it to himself, which I thought and he's like, well, I thought when they established those rules, I was like, that's kind of, yeah, that kind of makes it lose its luster. Mm-hmm. But then they, well, then it, five seconds later, they, they really just fucking send it over the edge to where he's almost comatose. Well, yeah, well, it's all, but it also that's, that's your birth of conflict because it can't, it wants him, but it can't touch him. And so he's like, good luck with that. And it's like, kill yourself. He's like, nah, fuck that. I got a shirt. I got a new shirt. Check my new shirt. It's polo. <laughs> and then, but then it's going to the wife and be like, hey, if you kill him, I bring her back. And that creates a conflict, but, you know, furthering, you know, the, the division between Ball and his wife of, you know, she's not happy in their situation. He is now it's like he doesn't want to kill himself and she might fucking kill him to get the kid back. For sure. You know, the temptation is there. I mean, yeah, that, this whole thing, like the whole haunting was just like relic where it's all a uh, manifestation of grief and regret. Well, I mean, like, uh, you, oh, well, you know, I, I know. Well, yeah, I think I think I see your point. Yeah, I think you're right. It can go either. You know, like, you, no, that's you, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm like, this is like like relic. You can choose to make you can choose to kind of go like, no, you can't. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I mean, just from the final statement that he tells them about your ghosts follow you. They never leave. They live with you. It's when I let them in, I can start to face myself. OK, so. Eric made this movie, so he can just tell you about this movie that he made. I just well, did. Th- I literally just did. I know. I know. I was now there. We're, now we're going to talk because you're done talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> like this is this movie. It could be taken literal, and it can be taken metaphorical, kind of like Relic. But Relic kind of doesn't really make sense if you take it literal. This movie, if you take it literal, it can is is a ghost story. And you take it metaphorical. I mean, it's still and it it still makes sense because I mean that's how I took the whole like. The first half of the movie is like, this is a huge metaphor. And then I was kind of like, but I'm always hoping like, kind of like just push this shit into some like witchy supernatural shit, which it does. Yeah. And so what we have in the story is they're at odds because this thing, which we don't really know what it is. Is it this witch? Is it the ghost? Is it the grief? It starts like bargaining with these people and it's like going to bring back this girl. And we find out their daughter isn't their daughter. (gasps) Their daughter is. What? Are you serious? 
like when they're getting on the last you know overcrowded bus to escape sudan like bull kind of like found this girl used her as like kind of like billy zane and titanic where he's like this is my daughter and we can't be separated and they're like get on the lifeboat is basically what bull did in this movie and saved their lives titanic his way to the united kingdom titanic's his way to england and like <laughs> and but they're as they're driving off that girl's mother's looking for her sees her in the bus just crying and running after the bus and he just separated this mother and daughter to save his ass, to save his wife's ass. And then the wife is like, okay, now I'm in charge of this fucking kid. Thanks a lot. But is like, I'll, I'll take care of you. Makes this promise to her. They get to the boat scene. The shit goes down. Ball saves his wife and starts paddling and lets this fucking kid drown. And then there we have, you know, the wrong that they did. He stole this fucking baby and then fucking let it die. And she Pretty promised much, yeah. Yeah, and he and she promised like I'll take care of you, and he's like Nah, fuck that. And so like now they're in England dealing with this shit and this grief, but also this like fucking this guilt that I would never want to fucking know how that <laughs> yeah. feels. Well, because you see when they had capsized that he goes and he helps his wife, and his wife is like screaming for the girl, right? And he just like like it's too late. Yeah, yeah. can't like, I, can't be done. It's raining. I think <laughs> kind of windy. Yeah, not to go back to Titanic, but I will. It's the same like (laughs) could Jack fit on that fucking door thing that Kate Winslet was floating on? Yeah, yeah, but like, do you want to risk it and then them both die? No. Yes, that's that's what love is. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, ice cold dick. So that brings them to where they are now of being in this house. We learn that there is that fucking witch. What was what kind of witch was it called? Uh, it was like a night witch. A night witch is our new fucking speed metal band <laughs> that we're gonna make. Night witch. Night witch. <laughs> so it's a Christian speed metal band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. As long as I can have a handlebar mustache, but uh, Elliot's <laughs> been training his whole life done. to look like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Just go, but uh, find out this like night witch is like a fucking thing, and it's like I'll bring back your daughter, and like Ball deserves to die for what he did. Just like fucking kill him, and I'll bring the girl back. Kill yourself, and I'll bring the girl back to your wife. You don't deserve to live. And this is our conflict, and we we get to this point where like Ball's kind of gotten to this like weird obsessive, like psychotic Jack Nicholson unlikable character where he's yeah. like he's barricaded her in the house midpoint in the movie you're like fuck you dude because you, you kind of yeah, like, kind of sympathize with him a little bit yeah and like as soon as like he's being a dick and like pretty much keeping her prisoner in this house and you realize he stole a, a girl and then let her die you're kind of like fuck yeah exactly kind of- yeah i mean until i found that out i was kind of like kind of on team ball yeah like i could see his side like where he's just like you know we can't go back because they're gonna kill us this is our life now and we need to move forward and we need to try. And he's just like doing everything he can to assimilate. So I was kind of like, yeah, I see his point of view. I, you know, obviously you see both of their points of view. I mean, I'm, I, I was still kind of always on team ball. Cause I mean, he had to make like tough choices. I mean, we can sit here and shit because we never, you know, been, exactly. yeah, been I mean, in, in the end he kind of tried to, you know, almost kind of saved her too. I mean, he got that girl out of there. So he kind of saved her life for a while. He saved his yeah. life and his wife, his wife was his, main priority it's like not even so much him so he had to get him and his wife out of there so he did what he had to do and he's not proud of that but you know he's trying to move on you know she's not moving on so i mean we've never been in a situation where we had to like make those tough choices and we don't know what we do Speak for oh yourself. <laughs> but i mean like i look at myself and like if 
if it was my wife and then this like kid, I don't know. And I got to save one. I mean, wh- whether he could or not, but if, if you believe you can only save one, it's going to be your fucking wife and not this fucking stranger baby. Stranger so, baby. I mean, he did the best he could or what he thought he could do. So we get to this point where like, he's full on crazy. He's keeping her captive. I mean, she escapes, you know, but it doesn't really go anywhere. He brings her back. Now we're pitted against like the witch is like, okay, like do it. Like you got to kill him. And like, it's pretty blatant that she's going to fucking do it. He's dislikable at this point and things are, are nearing the end and it presents her this knife and she's kind of gets up and like, there's like the tension of if she's going to pick up this fucking knife and like kill this dude. Yeah. Turns around, the knife is gone. He has the knife. <gasps> then it's like, oh fuck, is he going to kill her? And like, this is a tense point in which I really enjoyed this movie because I was just kind of like on the edge of the, the couch, kind of like, ooh, yeah. What's going to happen now? Yeah. yeah. And then so we realize that he has cut himself. <gasps> And he admits everything. He's like, I've seen the ghost the whole time. I've seen her daughter the whole time. I've seen this night witch. It's been talking to me. I cut myself. It wants my flesh. It will come now. He's like, just leave. Let it take me. Everything will be fine. And like, so she's like, oh, you know, I love you. And he's like, I love you. And it's this, you know, the sweet moment of he really does care. He becomes this ball that we know and love again, where he does what he needs to do for her. And so she leaves and this fucking the earth opens up and this fucking Javier Botet God fucking night comes out, comes out looking like Voldemort, but like scarier. It looks, yeah, it looks like that, uh, that fucking, um, thing in Pan's Labyrinth with the eyeballs. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which it, it looks and, and, and like, oh man. But less cool though. I know. Well, I mean, it is less cool, but it's still cool enough for me to be like, oh fuck, you know? I had to like okay. I had a rational. I had to like have a discussion with myself about this in my car one day. And you said self, self. I was like Elliot, Elliot, calm down, calm down. Because because this is how Elliot's like. We to, listen. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, we don't make eye contact. <laughs> but uh, I was like Elliot, Elliot, calm down. And then uh, like when I see like a creature and there's a reveal of something like that, it, like I'm all expecting something to look fucking cool, not scary to look fucking cool. And so and this one I saw was kind of like oh man. Uh, uh, it's not really I mean I liked it I was thinking to myself and I was like it's it's a fucking witch it's not supposed to be cool like it's supposed to be ugly if I saw some, if I wanted something to be scary if a fucking witch came at me and was scary I don't want to like be like oh that's a pretty fucking cool sculpt like who did that it was like can can be like I want like I don't want to sit there and be like that that looks fucking cool if it's going to be scary to me it's going to be something fucking ugly and gross like if you think about it what if you see something like that in real life there's going to be like a dick out it's going to be disturbing you're going to see like a floppy like witch penis or something like that you're going to see yeah like these like skinny balls. legs but like yeah ball hangy balls you're gonna see like fucking <laughs> hair you're gonna see like fucking like this thing had like scrawny little legs and like this like weird you know flubby belly and like this fucking like like nut head like i'm like Baltimore yeah that's, that's what it'd be an ugly ass fucking witch would be this fucking thing they can you know it's not supposed to look cool it's supposed to look disturbing and then like granted like please people at home this thing didn't have a dick out or balls i'm just saying like (laughs) in reality something when it go back and be like and be like i didn't see any balls what the fuck well hold on now let me rewind okay you think of reality if you see like a a man in your house like oh shit that's scary you see a naked man in your house like (laughs) you're you fall over dead from fright that's the scariest part of a hereditary that's the scariest part yeah 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 Fuck, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. 
So, so this thing, I mean, it, it, it looks like a fucking a witch. I mean, and then like Javier Botet, who we've seen, who, who played the thing with no eyes in Pan's Labyrinth, who, you know, we've seen play creatures and everything. I wonder if he enjoys that or if he's just like typecast now. But hmm. he played Mama, he played in It, he played all that stuff. And so here he is as this like skinny, like Morphin Syndrome witch who starts like digging his fingers in the ball skin. Like he's going to like. That's fucking tight. Like, I don't like, I think he's like trying to like steal his body or something. Like, so he could like, I think like he was yeah. And now, I don't know. He's trying to like wear him as skin a skin suit, suit and, which is awesome. Yeah. And the, everybody knows LA is going to be all about skin suits. Yeah, okay. So, well, you want me, me back, it, bro. Fucking, fucking do it, bro. Skin suit. Fucking do it. Skin suit. Like, it was, <laughs> I was having like an emotional crisis at this point. Cause I was like, it came out and I was like, I, oh, cause it did look like Voldemort mixed with fucking Pan's Labyrinth. But then I was like, nah okay okay i got you and then like he's like skin suit i'm like oh shit dude no not ball but then it's like oh yeah skin suit so i'm just like fucking break it down at this point and then <laughs> that was such a gnarly scene just to see him shove his hand into his wound yeah and he's so happy about it yeah <laughs> he's like ah sucker this is what i want I mean, we cut to the other room and we have the wife standing there like accepting this. And then you see the daughter's hand kind of like take her hand and you're like, okay, so we brought the daughter back, but then she lets go. And that goes back to the whole metaphor of the whole thing of like, she's literally letting go. She's like, this girl is died. You can't bring her back. She has to accept that to move forward with her life. And so she does that quite literally. She like lets go of her hand and goes and fucking gets that fucking knife and slits that night witch's fucking throat all over ball and saves him. It's a gnarly scene and the, the witch killing, but it's also the metaphor of she's let go and have accepted this grief and has processed it and, and, and it realized like what is important now. And it's then they move on, they survive, they do the best they, they can. And then basically those were the hijinks. And then it's like the rest of their life. They've, they've ensued. Yeah, they've ensued. And so it's like now it's, it's kind of like, you know, wrapped up and happy now. And the, the social workers come back. The you know he tore the house apart and put holes in the wall, but he's patched them all up. And it looks like shit you know, still. Getting, but it looks like shit. I mean, it didn't look any worse than when they fucking moved in there. Yeah. At least the lights work, and then like they're all happy together. And this is like we're you know what we talked about earlier, where like the, the ghosts live with them, and so they you know accepted what had happened. They processed this shit, and you know they're they're grieving. And like when you when so, something horrible happens to you, or, or or you lose somebody, that pain never goes away, but you learn to just, like, you carry it. I mean, whether it be the loss of this child or the PTSD from surviving a genocide or something that you will never remove, it's you carry it with you forever, but you can hope to have a, a better life for yourself and not just, like, live in this misery, I think. And that's, like, I guess the ultimate message of the movie. Yeah, I always thought that the Night Witch like brought the spirits, but I guess like it was kind of both, right? Like the grief brought the spirits and the Night Witch. Yeah, well, it just depends on like which side of the coin what perspective. Yeah, you yeah. want to look there. Like the Night Witch was using these things to terrorize Bull, or these are the ghosts and demons that he's carrying, you know, with him mm -hmm. because of the, you know the shit he saw, the shit that he did. I mean, they, this is a this is what I'd call a good movie. <laughs> it's got it all. Honestly, I mean, there's not too much that I could say negative about this movie, like, at all. Yeah, the fact that this is on Netflix is also kind of kind of th crazy. This is literally one of the best Netflix quote-unquote originals that has come out. 
ever. The whole I think you're not going to get a like a big version of a movie like this because I don't think any like big studios would want to like tackle this subject. No one's going to want to put these refugees as their like central characters and like deal with tough decisions and stuff like that. I don't think anybody's going to want to deal with the subjects and the subject matter that this movie deals with. And I think that's what makes it great is like it's fresh because you're dealing with these people who you don't normally see in like mainstream movies, these immigrants. And at the same time, it's like, it's the fact that that's, they are immigrants that you have, you know, a compelling story and they're deeply sympathetic. I mean, if you have a horror movie where you don't give a fuck about the main characters and like, you're just watching a fucking Friday the 13th, like slasher where you just want to see like body count. You just want to see fucking cool kills, but to have like a horror movie where you actually care and sympathize with the characters, like that's everything. That's, you know, that's what makes a good movie. So the fact that like you sympathize with these characters so fucking hard and then the fact that you're kind of like as the movie goes on, you reveal to these different layers of these characters, which is another that's, you know, character arc and, and, you know, the onions of characters that's taken for granted pretty much in the movie industry. Like you don't get that in all movies, especially horror movies. So the fact that you can have this in a fucking horror movie is amazing. I mean, like just to go on the bowls ride of like, we like him, we love him, we don't. He's kind of crazy. Oh, fuck. He's fucked up. Oh, fuck this guy. Oh, he's cool. I was like, oh, that's sweet. That's sweet of him. Like, oh, I like him. He's good people. Like, <laughs> he's an all right guy. Oh, my God. This tackle, and it tackles so many fucking subjects. I mean, like, if you just take out the horror aspect that is this social political commentary on refugee status and racism and xenophobia xenophobia people are scared of xena <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> got him but like i mean those kids being shitty to her because they were racist but then it's something like you kind of see i guess like white privileged people where they just like they look at everybody and just like they're not me so fuck them i mean it's, it's just like a, it just shows you like this weird kind of like layer that you might not notice if you're just like some fucking jabroni you're jabroni whitey I think that was all good to see. And you get to see, like, this movie is fucking cultured. And, like, we're dealing with refugees from Sudan. And, you know, people don't even know where the fuck that is on a map. So, like, I think this movie is just culturally rich. And that just adds more to it. Like, this is a big to-do for me, just on horror, on the politics, on the acting, on the the camera work, on, like, all levels. I think it's a good movie, and I think it's also an important movie. Yeah, I agree completely i know because we we joked on like what movie like i'd I'd go to pair with this and we were talking about like you know hotel rwanda or whatever but i mean i'd put it in the same fucking category i mean it is a horror movie but it's also like even if you're not into horror this is kind of like a kind of like a statement the scary stuff that people are actually like dealing with man like it's it's a real drama as well i don't know i, I agree it's something that yeah, needs to be talked about if you if you're watching this as a horror movie you're just kind of like okay yeah that's happening now like let's see some fucking ghosts and shit but if you if you're watching this as like the metaphor that you know that eric was talking about like this is a deeply political and heartbreaking style of movie like this is like a microcosm basically we're following like one couple and how they're dealing with this and they don't show a lot of sudan and, and like the killing and the stuff that went there they have like glimpses and they have they put you in there for a little bit so you can like experience the chaos and like the shit like some fucked up you know images but we still get the point so it's 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 an important film i think right so i think it's fair to say that you give it a to do i already said to do did you i'm always the first to say to do or to tank well it's not a contest um, but if it was, I'd win. <laughs> Eric, what would you say? It's a to do for me. It's a to do. I, I'm going to 
100% give this thing a to-do. It is one of the best films out this year. It, it is literally, I'm having trouble deciding whether it's my favorite or second favorite movie this year. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm kind of excited for our January episode, New Year's, where we do like the best, the best of, ofs, yeah. Because like last year, I don't think I had any. You didn't. I couldn't say anything. Yeah. So I think this year I have some like hot contenders. Yeah, there's been some great ones this year. I, I just I don't know. Like I really liked Relic because old people creep me out, you know. <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, like this is a all around better movie. I feel like. Yeah. But like horror wise, like it's still fucking great. Like I don't know. But yeah, love this movie. Like, please do yourself a favor. It's on Netflix. And if you don't like it, it's because you're a dickhead. Yeah, if you don't like it, it's because you're a dick. So, you know, fuck you. Hey. <laughs> People are entitled to their opinions. Oh, my God. And this is like. Not on this podcast. Yeah, like, Eric, Eric says that. And like every episode, he ends it with just like, and if you don't like it, then fuck you. Alienating everybody. <laughs> yeah. He did that with me. He's everyone. Like, no. I'm not, you know, picking and choosing. <laughs> He's alienating everyone. Earlier, I was like, you, this could, movie could be a metaphor, or you could take it literally. And Eric's like, no, no. I love that. I mean, the, where's the lie? Where's the fucking lie? Because it's both. You can do it's both. It's not. It's not, I, though. It's but if not. I did both, but it's not. I'm done. I don't even want to fucking talk to you guys anymore. Oh my god! So let's segue into it's I w- it's a dad's. I always want him to leave. Just like I always want him just <laughs> to fucking do it. Just like click click. Uh. And then like we just hear him talking to Maria in the background, and, and she's just like, "So how'd it go?" And he's just like, "I fucking hate those guys." <laughs> I fucking quit again. Yeah. Well, this podcast. Like I ain't going back. And she's like, "Okay, honey." Story of my life. <laughs> Dad's horror stash is coming up here. Let's cue the sample. Yeah, that's what I'm good at. What I'm good at. What did, watch it. What just happened? What did you just drop? Eric, you know what I noticed about you? You're always dropping random shit. <laughs> Or, like, you're always, like, fucking slamming shit around. <laughs> That's yeah, because I have, like, my recording station with everything around me within arm's reach that I might want. So, like, I'll just, like, <laughs> stick my hand through several cups and eight remotes just to grab a lighter or something. I'm I'm really, honestly, I'm truly surprised that I don't randomly hear a power drill, like, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as you're talking to kind of, like, mask it, like, that you're doing fucking con- Housework. <laughs> renovations. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I'm just trying to... Like, because I really think... Sometimes I think, like, <laughs> you literally are. So, uh, <laughs> what I liked about this movie... <laughs> Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let me get to the plot. Okay, all right, this. all right. I got a, I got a stud here. We, just got the, the, we got the giggles today. Hey, kids. Are you? No, that's copyright. How are you now? Good, good, and you. Is that a laugh track? Did I hear, hear a laugh track? <laughs> that's parents blew a fuse in my ass. That's where he went. I'm gonna get my, oh get my synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, dead horse. Uh, so, uh, in the theme of uh, a guy's getting obsessed on a haunted house and uh, tearing that some a bitch apart, I chose to do uh, 
1999's Stir of Echoes. <laughs> it's, uh... You filthy hosers. Oh, shit. It's, uh, it, um, uh, I'm loving this new one. Great. Kevin Bacon's uh, Paranormal Masterpiece. Directed and uh, written for the screen by David Kep. It's based on a 1958 uh, novel by Richard Matheson. Okay, so this guy here, Richard Matheson, we uh, discussed him before. He's um, uh, He wrote the I Am Legends, and uh, he wrote the Shrinking Man, and he wrote the, the Duel. Which is uh, Stephen King's uh, made-for-TV thriller. How about that? Okay, this is based in working-class Chicago area. Down there by, uh, you know, Pete's Bar. It's right over there by that church. It's on the same street as that church. <laughs> Apparently in these movies, they shoot they, uh trick photography where it's uh, one neighborhood, one side of the street, other side of the street, different neighborhood. Over there, uh, Bill Slikowski, uh, he's on there. He's uh, over there on, uh, you know, Parker Street. And then uh, the, he walks down the road. He crosses the street. There he's on uh, McGuffins. You know, North McGuffins, not South McGuffins. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, too much chocolate for breakfast. Um, no shit. Still got Halloween candy, man. Okay, let's find ourselves a synapsis here on the internet web. Get my glasses here. Oh, Carol? Carol, you get my glasses? Get the dogs out of here. <laughs> <laughs> After being hypnotized by his sister-in-law, a man begins to see haunting visions of a girl's ghost and a mysterious... Begins to unfold around him. Okay, there. That's a synopsis. There. Okay, so this is the story of a Chicago working class couple and their child, and uh, we kind of get like a sense that this child is uh, speaking to some people that might not possibly be there. Uh oh. And at a party, main character Tom is hypnotized by his sister-in-law, and it kind of opens up a. Some kind of extra doorway in his mind. Gateway dimension to hell. A dimension to hell. <laughs> I'm not talking about that strip club over there on uh, Mormon Street. There's a place called Mormon Street? I, of course I there know. is. Are you kidding? I'm, <laughs> I wish I knew more about Chicago to make these streets accurate. That'd be hilarious. Over there on Turd in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of opens up his senses to where he's kind of... Got this psychic, you know, on-off thing and starts seeing visions of a ghost of a, a girl inside their house, which kind of like opens up a mystery for him of uh, trying to like figure out kind of what happens. And much like his house. Middle of our street. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, that just reminds me how much better I wish our house was. Middle of the street. God damn it. No, the fucking quote unquote horror movie. Like that's a sci-fi movie that was just terrible. Oh, yeah, with the vector machine. Yeah, thing. stupid shit. So it's keeping in the theme of his house where it's just a, not so much of a cess man, you know, kind of obsessing about fitting in and, and, and kind of like moving forward and escaping his past and you know, seeing these ghosts and, you know, tearing this house apart. This man's kind of obsessed because he doesn't know what's going on and feels like he needs to find something in this house and kind of like tears the house apart. It's kind of what, you know, clued me in on this when I was watching his house and then I had to like go back and think about it. It's like, what movie? Not exactly the same kind of feel, definitely not the same kind of vibe, but I mean, this movie starring Kevin Bacon. And so you already know it's, it's amazing. Yeah, the Baconator. I still maintain that Kevin Bacon has never done a bad movie. A bad. Well, he's done bad movies, but never done a bad role. Okay. It's not his fault when they're bad. Okay. It's not his fault. What about Invisible Man? You mean Hollow Man? Same thing. Uh, Yeah. He he was creepy. He was was really good in that. (laughs) He was actually, he was invisible. They didn't use any kind of computer effects. Kevin Bacon willed himself to be invisible. (laughs) 
That's he's method, got baby. that power. Yeah, he's yeah. He probably. I want to. I want to put it past them. I bet he could. If anybody's gonna turn invisible, it's gonna be Kevin Bacon. It's uh, Kevin Bacon plays uh, Tom, and then Catherine Irby plays his wife Maggie. She's from the Law and Order on the TVs, and uh, a young uh, Zachary David Cope who plays his very very young son in this movie, Jake, who he actually did a pretty good job. And it turns out we notice, but the parents don't notice because parents, kid, you know, he's, he's talking to you know things off screen kind of in these creepy setups where you know no one's there he's having discussions with people and we're not really clued into exactly what's going on until i mean tom and maggie being this this young couple still like to like kind of keep their party on they like to keep it fresh <laughs> like to keep it fresh so they're across the street this house party you know it starts winding down everybody's been drinking a few his sister-in-law you know says that she's studying to be a hypnotist she's kind of this like new age hippie type character and like hypnotizes him and the hypnotizing is not like what you expect in a lot of movies where like uh, pendulums or something like that. But it's just like this relaxing kind of like suggestive stuff where she's, you know, saying, put yourself in this situation. And the cool thing about this movie is we kind of like see his thought process and he's visualizing what she's kind of saying. And then it's fairly accurate to the book, which is what I've heard is fairly accurate to actually real hypnotist of, you know, not really kind of what you see on the, on the stage acts where they, they make you into a chicken or, you know, do some fucking crazy stupid shit, but they just kind of like put them under and uh, we're, we're witness to, you know, a bunch of flash imagery and, you know, kind of like his visual inner eye of what he's seeing. And inadvertently she kind of like puts in like a hidden suggestion of it, like be more open-minded. And she means kind of like, don't be such a dick. Don't <laughs> be so, you know, closed minded. Don't be so, you know, white. And so he, so white, so yeah, white. Being so white. White people are the worst. I don't know if you guys know this, but have y'all like just after this Google colonialism? That's <laughs> white people are the worst. But, uh, <laughs> no comment. Yeah, no, no, no comment. comment. Eric's like, all right, backtracking, backtracking. <laughs> I just want to uh, point out, without colonialism, I wouldn't exist. So, oh Jesus Christ! All right, oh, okay. God. Well, none, none of us fucking would. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah, America, the greatest country in the world, wouldn't exist. All Where? right. Take. Who? All right, Obama. Keep your pants <laughs> on. He, unfortunately, his brain takes this literal and it kind of unlocks this like psychic power that his kid has. And in the book, it kind of goes more in depth about how like he kind of always had this sixth sense. Like it has this like backstory of like he met it's the shining. Kinda, yeah, basically kind of the shining. He met his wife as a lifeguard at this beach and is like his kind of like psychic shiningness that kind of like helps him save her life. And that's how they met and like fell in love and blah, blah, blah. But in this movie, it's, it's, it's really suggested the kid has it. And then like, now the dad is like more open. She suggested him to be more open and he starts having visions, seeing things, more gut feelings and things like this. I mean, speaking of the shining, this movie, it takes a lot of influences. This is one of the very few, I'd say ghost paranormal movies that I do like. There are very few of those, but a lot of the influences that this movie took were from some of the better paranormal movies that I like. It's got the Poltergeist. It's got the Exorcist. It's got the Shining, the Changeling for sure. It borrows from Rosemary's Baby, uh, Close Encounters as far, as far as like the obsession and stuff like that. And sees, he ends up seeing this ghost of a teenage girl in his house. And they, they've just moved to this neighborhood. He sees a ghost of this girl and it scares the fuck out of him. He's trying to like figure out what's going on with him. The son sees it too. Yeah, son. Yeah, that's what we recluded in that the son's been, you know, seeing and speaking to this girl the entire time. Literally, the movie opens up with the kid talking to her. And so 
we're kind of clued in that there's this this thing going on and throughout the movie we get this backstory of you know a girl that went missing in the neighborhood and uh she went missing and he's obsessed with like what's going on like what's going on with him he starts he stops going into work but then he's also obsessed with like seeing this ghost again so he's like trying to do these different like routines to like bring the ghost back of where he saw the vision doing stuff like that eventually gets like too much he goes to the hypnotist to try to get heard of reverse whatever he did like he doesn't want this anymore he doesn't want to like have these like psychic feelings or anything like that she she tries but as he's being hypnotized, we get the same like flash imagery. And this time the, the hypnotizing scene is, is, is infiltrated by the ghost of this girl. You're not going away there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, the suggestion of like he needs to dig. So his obsession just like ramps up. He's got to start digging, tearing out the floorboards of the house, just like destroying this house. And the owner that lives across the street could hear it. It's a goddamn rental. <laughs> yeah, he goes in there with a jackhammer, <laughs> like digging what up the basement. And he eventually he runs across the corpse of this young woman buried in the wall in the basement. It's mummified corpse. It looks pretty decent, actually. And then touches it. And then he has like a flashback of what happens. And it's basically like this girl, Samantha. Can I know, intervene here? Oh, no. Talk about the worst <laughs> fucking brick job in the world. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, like there's a wall. He busts open the wall, and then there's another wall, which is a brick wall. Isn't it like it's like that has absolutely nothing holding the bricks together? Yeah, it's like a brick job with no mortar, with mm. none. He's just like <laughs> picking them up and moving them, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Eric's like, I've mortared a whole brick wall while I was recording a podcast <laughs> before, and you're telling me that you can't just do it correctly once? That bothered me. I'm thinking that like it was like a rush job because they had to like ditch this body. I mean, you could have slapped some cement on it, something. Yeah, I mean, you could have you could have made that body not that easy to find. <laughs> it, I mean, but I would have buried it personally. But um, so he finds his body. He gets this like vision of this girl last winter was in this house with uh, two of the neighborhood boys that were introduced to earlier in the film, and they pretty much rape and murder her kind of accidentally murder her but she's murdered and they ditch her and so like basically he figures out he sees the vision he knows what happened he goes down the street talks to like one of the fathers of the boy and you know hijinks and sue where you know they know like it's it's one father and his son and then another father and his son and they kind of like figure out that you know tom kevin bacon's character has figured this out and you know, they go to kill him his wife returns home and kind of like saves them and you know, it's, uh, you know, wrapped up in a happy ending where, you know, everybody gets their just desserts and then, you know, they kind of like move out of the house for obvious reasons. The ghost is set free and that's like the long plot of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the end of the movie because the guy that he becomes like most friendly with, his son is like the star quarterback and he's got this big career where he's about to break the school record, but he's got his guilt hanging over him for what he did to the girl. And he tries to kill himself and he shoots himself. And the dad, uh, you know, it's revealed at the end that the kids came to the dads to let them know what had happened. And the dads are the ones that, you know, built that wall around her in the basement. So you get the one dad who's like, he knows exactly why his son tried to kill himself because he, it's, it's eating him up as well, getting rid of the evidence. And it's like these dads did it because in their eyes, they're like, oh, it was just an accident and they don't deserve to go to jail or ruin their lives over an accident. The other dad, though, he has like no guilty conscience about it. He just 
this is like whatever. When he finds the the actual body in the wall, he touches her, and when he touches the corpse, it like throws him back into like a memory of the exact stuff that happened and how it went down. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's like reliving everything through her eyes, and it has one of the most like cringeworthy scenes of all time with the uh, fingernail breaking off on the floorboard. Oh yeah, I I still can't see that without squirming. Anytime a fingernail breaks off and you get to see it all, like it's, 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 it's it, yeah, it's yeah. just like so in your face and intense. Like I, I put it up there with like bull cheese and zombie where they push the eyeball through the, yeah. the stick. Like it's, it's like on par with that. But uh, just to go, he goes and tells the football star's dad about it. And he's kind of just like, okay, I think I know why your son tried to kill himself. And I found this body and I want you to know before the police or anyone else. He's like, I just, you know, it's like the decent thing to do. And then there's another scene that fucking pisses me off. So after he tells him this and he's like, okay, show me what you found. Let's go to your house. The dad, you know, tells Kevin Bacon's character, hold on a second. I'll be right back. And he goes and he grabs a jacket. Now it's fucking pissing down rain. (laughs) And he's got this jacket over his hand. And they're walking down the street with the jacket over his hand. It's fucking raining. Why isn't he putting on his jacket? Why? Because he's obviously fucking concealing something. (gasps) What's he concealing? A fucking gun. Oh my God. A goddamn gun. That's all I got to say about that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, like I mean, we gave it, like, bare bones. I mean, there's a lot in this movie. There's a, uh, a bunch of, like, little subplots about, like, yeah, I mean, like, the, obviously, the, I mean, his visions, there's a whole scene with, like, his son being kidnapped. I mean, there's a lot of, like, weird stuff and subplots in this movie. But what? I, we got to speak on the total ripoff of the Shining scene with them getting a black man to be like, oh, he's got a gift. Does he get it from his daddy? Oh, the, uh, shit. It is the um what was it in that uh that horror noir documentary the the wise old black sage or whatever mm. the trope that they in horror movies yeah i mean as i'm saying there's a lot this movie borrows heavily from a lot of of the the older greater horror movies like as as like a horror movie and and also in comparison to his house like stir of echoes is kind of a slow burn i mean it gives you some stuff at, at the beginning with the kid seeing it, something it feeds you enough it feeds you it enough like you it, going through the movie yeah but it establishes sympathy for this this family because it's it, like this is like this like working class family it's this loving caring couple i mean it, it, it paints tom as i mean there's this discussion in the kitchen where like yeah, i mean he's he's in a band and then she tells him that he's like pregnant and he's like well i'm obviously gonna quit the band i'm gonna start working overtime you know she's like you know you don't have to do that blah 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 and he's like i, I kind of do and then he kind of expresses like he kind of just says like he feels like a failure and he's sorry that he's not providing more and he's sorry that he can't you know do better by her and she's like you're doing fine like you're doing fucking great like you i can't ask for more like we're, we're doing great we have a great family you're providing it's awesome and like he's just like it, it's amazing sure of like he feels bad that he's not doing more and then he also feels kind of bad that he thought he was gonna be more like personally to himself like he was gonna be something special like he wasn't just gonna be this fucking blue collar working class slob and you know it, it does a lot to like sympathize with his character and like it spends like the first you know probably the first act of this movie is all just like cementing this family as like the young parents that you know we'd all want to be you know, in the Chicago neighborhood, granted, they're, you know, they're a certain style in a certain way in a certain place. 
So it's not, you know, totally relatable to everybody, but they're doing their best and it's, it, they're doing good. So like his house, cementing your characters in like reality. I mean, like in any good horror movie is not always about the horror. It's, it's what, it's the foundation of like, just like the realism and the drama and, and the believability, you know, you got to have that before you can introduce them something like a fucking like ghost coming in <laughs> or a, a night witch coming in there doing a guitar solo. Night witch. And Night witch. <laughs> There's a girl in the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's we're that's happening. Um, <laughs> girl in the wall. And she can see it all like the eyes of Christ. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you gotta bring it back to Jesus. You gotta, yeah, you gotta put Jesus in there. And it's like, what does that even mean? It's like, doesn't matter. They're Christian. Doesn't matter. Doesn't gotta make sense. You just gotta. You sealed in there like the love of Christ. <laughs> Christian metal. It's like it's it's like we, we always gotta give it up to Jesus. But if you'd like to show you know us your tits and do cocaine, we're okay with that too. That's straight up. Man. So you have, I mean, to to base the reality. In your movie, if you, the the more you can secure that, the more you can make your your characters likable. The stronger like the payoff's gonna be. It's mundane. That's the perfect part. It's not you're not in a fucking mansion. You're not in this fucking like scary. You know, like my uncle died and left us this like you know shady looking castle house or some bullshit. It's just like a a rented house that's renovated and they're just fucking doing the best they can. And I think that to the credit of the book with Richard Matheson and to the the director of David Kep, I think that plays well. And then the subtlety from Kevin Bacon's character of kind of going through this like ghost midlife crisis in front of us is, 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 is almost genius. I don't want, I don't, oh I, don't wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't I mean, I don't want to speak for Kevin Bacon, but I'm not going to not speak for him either. You know, if Kevin Bacon's like, I'm in a horror movie. And then, I mean, you're like, well, that's going to be the best horror movie ever made. And you're like, God damn right. Except for that one. He's in this like one with like the, that drip blackness or something. I don't know what it's called. No, he's in that really fucking shitty one. Um, yeah. Something about a day of the week. Uh, fucking, it's something like Tuesday the Tuesday the 11th or some shit like that. What was that really shitty one? You were referring to Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> but to his credit, he's the best actor in the movie. Yeah. In the world. In the world. So I got to speak on one of my favorite things about this movie is the way that you can empathize with a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. It keeps you invested. I mean, you you know, you can empathize with Kevin Bacon's character. Him going through almost like a, a second coming of age where he's no longer a kid, an adult. You know, everything is changing for him. And then he's thrust into this situation. The wife who has to deal with it all. Um, not only is her husband... Several times through the movie, they make a reference about him losing his mind, and she's just, like, sticking through him. But at the same time, her kid's acting weird and talking to ghosts. And then you have the dad of the football star who, it's like, you almost can't, you know, you get the other dad who's obviously a piece of shit. His son's a piece of shit, and it's like father like son. Mm -hmm. So with this guy, he held his son in, like, such high regards, like, that was... You know, throughout the movie, he talks about how much more his son is accomplished than than he is and how much more accomplished he will be. It's like he's living his dream through his son. His his greatest accomplishment is his son. And all of a sudden, his son's a piece of shit. 
who kills a girl and he has like no choice but to try to hide it and justify it like it's a fucking accident when am i gonna let a fucking accident ruin my kids exactly and it's like he's forced to let the love of his son blind him to you know the horrors that he's done and obviously he's not a complete piece of shit because it's tearing him apart the whole time but that's that's one of the things that like makes you want to keep going with this movie is just the way they were able to portray those characters and you know make you kind of want more from them. Yeah, I, this was one I haven't seen in a bit. I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but it's it's one of those that the characters are are really well done, and that's something I remember about it that kind of spoke to me more than. The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense, like, it it took all of that character depth and made it really just about the creepiness of, like, the shit that's around. I love this movie way more than I like Six Sense. I do, too. It- For sure. Yeah. I mean, this is this is better written. I mean, it's, like, Sixth Sense was all two things. The creep and then setting up the twist. And this one just is all, like, characters. Like, get the best actors to read the best written lines that we can, and then, like, everything else will f- just fell into place. I don't know why, but it, it gives me a vibe, and maybe it's the accents, but, like, um, it gives me a vibe of, like, Fargo mixed with the Sixth Sense. <laughs> <laughs> the cold, the cold, rainy. Just uh, something about it is, like... Everybody's got, like, a mouthful of dialogue in this movie. Like, everybody, yeah. I mean... Easter. Did I ever tell you guys uh, that this is the movie I've watched more than any other movie in the world? No. No. I think I've told you about this. It was not on purpose. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the one where it's on in the background constantly. I remember this story. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, I mean, at my friend's house, it was the hangout, and we were always there. All he had was a fucking TV and a VCR and a VHS tape of fucking... Stir of echoes. No antenna, no cable, nothing. So every time we're there, you know, drinking, fucking around, always on the fucking, in the background. The fucking movie finished, it would let it play until it just stopped on itself, rewound, and then started over. God. Jeez, this is like... years. How do you not hate this fucking movie? Dude, there was so many... Because marijuana. That's a hell of a movie to get high and watch. Yeah, it went on for years. Like, all of a sudden, we're smoking a joint, and then it's like, oh. I would have fucking bought a new fucking movie and brought that shit. <laughs> yeah. And switched it Because, like, that would... Okay, that's a testament to how awesome this movie is. That nobody was like, you know what, let me bring another movie from home. It's like, you know what, this is fine. This is you fine. You can have it. This worked. And, you know, my brother and I have watched this quite a lot. You know, back in the early 2000s, it was on all the time. And I mean, like, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of, and it's a lot of exposition dump, but it's still, everyone's delivering it. It's just like so fucking good. Like we used a sound clip for this in our band because. Yeah, I was going to say that. that, I didn't know how cheesy that would be, but. Which band? Mouth Breather. Mouth Breather. I mean. We might, we uh, might, we might actually make Nightwitch now. Nightwitch is going to have a lot of this in here, but um, everything that's being told like is in passion and stuff. I'm like, and then, and then like. Tom, Kevin Bacon's character, kind of comes like full circle and solving this mystery, finding this body, appeasing this ghost is like kind of like him. His struggle of being a failure in the beginning of the movie is he's gotten like a sense of purpose. And so that's where this like passion comes from. And there's like the scene when they're digging in the backyard and he gets into it with his wife and she's like, you know, you're scaring me. What are you doing? And he's like, I I have a purpose for the first time in my life. I have to do something I, you know, I have to, I have something important to do and I'm doing it. And like, my life is stupid and bullshit. And then she's like, Hey, like I'm part of your life. He's part of your life. Our family's part of your life. I don't think it's that fucking stupid. And he's just like, I have to do this. And he's like, 
and I'm, I'm gonna do it. And she's like, just call the cops. Just call. He's like, tell them fucking what? Like every, like he, he knows it's crazy. You know, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, this is what he's in. And, and like, so like, I mean, their marriage is basically like teetering on the edge. Thank God for love. Cause it does. <laughs> and then get off my fucking back, Brenda. And that just, holds the dick. Dude. He, Oh my just, God. That whole fucking breakdown, man, is just beautiful. <laughs> and then the there's the end of that scene where he like, gets pissed and he like kicks the bucket and it flies up and like smashes the window in the mm-hmm. film which is just a, a happy accident and you know thank god kevin bacon you know just like went with it lastly i want to get into i guess why we're here because of the fucking horror element of the ghost mm-hmm. and if i've been in discussions of this ghost in this movie because basically this ghost isn't you know a shadow person or anything like fucking creepy it's just basically a girl who's pale and kind of like moves funny and everybody's kind of like, well, that's kind of fucking weak. But at the same time, that's just what it is. That's all it needs to be. Which to me, honestly would be more realistic. If there was a ghost. Yeah. If ghosts were real. They're not. Right. <gasps> Don't you? Oh, well, I'm about to get right? into that. But, uh, to to I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into her either way, but, this movie is it came out in 1999. I think it was shot a couple of years before, and kind of like burnt offerings, it became a, a testing ground template for some of the more modern ghost tropes that we have. I mean, we eventually find out in the flashback, you know, this girl was murdered in, in the winter time in the snow, and you could see like the breath uh, of you know when it's cold outside. You could see, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh. You know, throughout this movie, we see like uh, you know Kevin Bacon having like you know this Ooh. cold breath kind of thing. Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, <laughs> <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Oh my it's, god, it's Kevin Bacon too. <laughs> but it was kind of taken from this movie and put in a lot of other movies where like you know ghosts make it cold, so you can see this cold breath. It's kind of, I mean, The Exorcist showed that dealing with this, this demon, devil, supernatural thing where it made the room cold and you could see their breath and they actually like chilled the room so they could, you know, see that. This is obviously digital in 1999. And that, some of the computer effects are kind of not, the, you know, are dated now and stir of echoes. But I mean, it, it used that not for the purpose of the fact that it's a ghost, but just use that to be kind of in both of these worlds of what happened and what's going on. And it's kind of has been taken to use just that in Ghost and, and a lot more of uh, supernatural movies that came afterwards. Uh, the actress as a ghost, who's just like, you know, pale and, and drab and dead, was shot in like a uh, six frame rate, I think it was. And then like told to you know, move slowly and then they like sped it up, which kind of gave her like this jerky kind of motion, which, you know, we see all the time now. But it wasn't so much the case. You know, there's been effects on actors to make them like ghostly and stuff. But this kind of this is kind of like one of the first, especially at this kind of like caliber of movie where it's like this jerky kind of sped up, but still moving normally deadite type motion effect, which has been, you know, also exploited. I mean, a lot of this movie, a lot of people that I've talked to don't really know this movie i had no idea this movie existed until you were recommended it so vigorously to me 
Yeah. Really? No, no idea. Zero idea. Fuck. Yeah, other than my brother and then like now you guys, like I'm nobody I know knows this movie. It's so underrated. I don't, I'm not sure how it did at the box office, but it's also, you know, I think kind of like pivotal in being right there at the cusp of, you know, the new millennium, like in 1999. Like this movie is very 1999 if you fucking like look at the how everybody's dressed and their haircuts and stuff. But everything post Stir of Echoes was trying to be stir of echoes Mm -hmm. it's it's intentional or or unintentional you know so i I think it's kind of a a seminal film but it's also just like one of the best like it's you know it's well written it's it's it looks good for you know what what it's trying to do and it's well acted i mean yeah i'm a fan i'm a fan but yeah no one knows and and i and i and here's another thing because i can't fucking talk to anybody but my brother about this fucking movie because nobody fucking knows what the fucking stir of echoes is. I'm like, it's a Kevin Bacon movie. He's like, oh yeah, I seen that in the five dollar bin at Walmart. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the that's one. That one. That's the one. That's where I got it. Honestly, like, what, what turns me off to this movie is the art looks so bad, like so '90s. It looks like it's going to be not a good movie, but then when you look at the reviews, they're good. They're yeah. like seven out of ten. They're like four out of five. Like they're all. It's, but it just everything about it looks terrible. But then you when you watch it, it it look it's great. It definitely a product of nineteen ninety nine. Like you can tell, like it's just you're like, oh man, like sixpence none the richer type ninety nine. But um, uh, <laughs> but uh, my brother and I saw the trailer for this movie in the theaters, watching some other fucking movie, and I could have sworn to fucking shit that the trailer had paint it black. The band, the the song "Painted Black" by the Rolling Stones in the movie trailer. Like in in the movie ourselves, like there are scenes where like we can hear the ghost humming it throughout, the boys humming it, and they get when Kevin Bacon's obsessing, he gets this like song stuck in his head. He's trying to play it on a guitar. There's a whole like scene of them playing it on the on the guitar. And what we come to realize is when this girl Samantha was like raped and murdered, it was to the song "Painted Black" covered by the band Gob. Oh wow. So it becomes like this like through line and on the DVD, when you go back and watch the trailer, it's not on there. And I, and I could have sworn I've never found, I can't find it on YouTube. I can't find it in the special features of the DVD. I could have sworn there was the fucking Rolling Stones in the trailer and I can't find it. And that's bothered me for, was it 1999? So like that's 20 years. That's bothered me for 20 years that I can't find a trailer. I've seen, I saw a trailer once that had the Rolling Stones and then like that. And like the movie originally, they shot the movie and the tune that everybody was humming and the tune that he was playing on the guitar was the doors break on through to the other side because, you know, it, it, it's symbolism from the living and the dead. Is that they couldn't get the rights, so it was changed to paint it black. And I don't know why they used the version by Gob, yeah. but... Because it was stupid teenage kids, and that's what they would be listening to at the time. It makes fuck. more sense because it was a cover at the time instead of them listening to the actual. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's just fucking. That just shows you how shitty how shitty these kids are that they're listening to fucking gob. But yeah, Stir of Echoes, one of my favorite ghost movies, highly underrated. Highly, I guess. I Probably guess like, one of the most underrated ghost movies. It's like a fucking cult paranormal for sure. Yeah, but he's you're very passionate about this. Yeah, it's because it's it's good. I'm, no, it's good. Uh, this and uh, frailty are like yeah repetitive watches for me. Frailty. If you haven't yes. seen Frailty. That is also in the five dollar bin. Yeah, I know, and which is which is another reason that that has the same syndrome that this movie has. And that's got a beefy Matthew McConaughey. He's got broad chested, beefy shirt off. Yeah, man. If that's that's a, my that's my McConaughey. That's a buffed out McConaughey and frailty. If you want to, you know, 
take your shirt off when he takes his shirt off and watch that movie like I do. You're crazy. Rub your nips against the screen. Jesus. He's been doing he's doing push ups. You can <laughs> He's not all lean like he is nowadays with your Dallas Buyers Club and your MUDs and your Wolf of Wall Street. No, this is beefy Matthew McConaughey when he was just Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four, just beefed out. God, his his fucking hell. His his neck is as thick as a goddamn eighteen wheeler tire. Oh my you know what I'm God, I do. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. We should do frail. I'm doing frail. We gotta watch something so I can do frailty soon and deep dive in frailty. Uh, well, there's all there's obviously going to be some kind of other serial killer movie coming up soon, so we'll see. It's gotta be religious. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. God's gotta be involved because he's involved in everything. Not witch. Yeah, Stir of Echoes, go watch it. Fucking one of my favorite movies of all time. Feeling like it, fuck you. See, I literally in the same episode. He's doing this shit. Literally in the same fucking episode. Y'all, I I now that we've kind of wrapped on Stir of Echoes, uh, I've got some some bad news for y'all. What's up? Um are you are you all sitting down? Uh yeah. I did a little bit of uh Google searching and uh I found uh, that Night Witch is is already banned. Huh? There's already a band called Night Witch. Wait, wait, wait. Spell it. N-I-G-H-T space W-I-T-C-H. Yeah, so we're we're spelled N-I-T-E-W-Y-T-C-H. No, we're knights with a K because we're the knights of Christ. All right, Night Witch. K-N-I-G-H-T and then and then the T's are crosses. Yeah, They gotta be Matt Witch! We're fucking we're the cave. It's, it's and then night. it's gotta have a crown of thorns around the entire name. Yeah. That connects atop the words. Yep. Matt Witch! Girl in the world! Yeah, uh, Night Witch is totally a thing now. Well, she's not alone because Jesus is with her. Hold her hand, Kevin Bacon, see what she sees. God doesn't have to know. Sounds like Queen's right. It does sound like Queen's right. I don't know if we're cool enough for like speed metal. I was hoping for like a dragon force, but we're gonna. It's gonna be totally honestly. What I'm hearing, like what I'm what I'm seeing, is like a hair metal version of Motorhead. Yeah. Like just hair metal vocals and like Motorhead D beat, just fucking. The power of Christ will lead you to the girl in the wall. <laughs> All right, so we should really wrap. Fuck yeah, it was like a 12-hour episode. Hell yeah, brother. Don't say that word. Hell. H-E double hockey sticks. H-E double hockey sticks, brother. Oh, next time we're going to be doing a Train to Busan Peninsula. So get ready for that. Yeah. Oh, Train to Busan Peninsula. I watched another movie about surfing in Italy called Peninsula. Do they have sex? Is this is this one of those movies that they have sex? No. They made love, though. No, but they like... They wax their surfboards really like erotically. And they were all shiny and wet. I tapped in penicillin, so I just saw all <laughs> kinds of STD pictures. Oh my god! So I just spent a long time masturbating to that. He made it from mold, moldy bread. Science is nuts. Anyway, so I guess if that's all we have, 
you know, as always, y'all, if you have any stories you want to send for Catfish's Creepy Tales, if you have any movies that you want Elliot to review and do a deep dive on for Dad's Horror Stash, or if you have any movies that you just want us all to watch as a group, let us know. Cult of Horror Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Cult of Horror. You can find us on Instagram, Cult of Horror Podcast. You can find us on TikTok, Cult of Horror. That's where Night Witch is going to debut. I'm down for that. We're gonna make it. No, we're gonna make an exclusive TikTok for Night Witch yeah. dance videos. Yeah, we're gonna have to like produce music for that. We already, buddy. I already wrote it in my head. <laughs> oh yeah, YouTube uh, Cult of Horror. But yeah, uh, let us know. You know, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And for the Night Witch. Wow! <laughs> Drink the Kool Aid, bitches. Give it up to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Drink the Kool Aid. I'll see you all next time. Bye. Drink the Kool Aid. Bitches. 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 The power of Christ does compel you. The Kool-Aid is made of the blood of Christ. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let's be real. Kool-Aid. <laughs>